Hi friends, welcome. Today I want to share with you a conversation I had with Michael Fugoso, aka Fugstrader. He is a San Diego-based designer and illustrator, and his style is a mixture between three-dimensional skeomorphism and 1980s vintage awesomeness, and I absolutely love it. I spoke with him about what he was up to, and when it got really interesting is when we broke down three of his designs in detail and how they came about. I will link below to him. I would encourage you to check him out. This is that conversation. Enjoy. Okay. Hi, Michael. Uh, thank you so much for sitting down to this conversation with me. How are you doing? Oh, um... I'll be real, you caught me at like a time where I'm like the most tired. Uh, and it's not usually at this time every day. It's just happens to be today. But I'm doing great, man. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm doing I'm Keeping doing Keeping it together, how are you that's doing? all that matters, right? Yeah. Yeah, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. Been been a busy day, but good busy. Lots of lots of freelance stuff and my channel, my my me and my wife's channel on YouTube and just lots of creative stuff. And I'd rather be busy with creative stuff than, you know, working at a part-time job that I'm miserable at or something like that. Well, I'm really glad you, uh, oh, we got to talk more about that, by the way. But I'm really glad that you uh, um, you reached out, dude. This is uh, is super cool. I appreciate you being willing because, I mean, you're one of the people, I I can't remember if I found you, I think I found you through those like collaborative uh, curated where people will share a bunch of different designers on Instagram. And I think I saw one of yours in there, and I kept seeing yours, perhaps, and then I... Like the design tip or something like that, or... uh, Maybe. I don't know what it's called. Oh, okay. Cool. But it's like... That's awesome. Yeah, it's just like a bit... It's it's basically the, here's all the the best designers on Instagram. We're going to share them with you, and you can enjoy. So, you know, I I think (laughs) that's where I found you, because your style is pretty distinct. I'm sure you've heard that before, but... um, I, and then I came over to you, and then I found your Instagram feed, and I was looking f- through it, and I really enjoy what you're up to. Uh, it really Sweet. resonates with my the 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 mushy brain in my head and the things that it loves. Yeah, and, awesome. Yeah, and so I, I'm curious, what? Well, first off, what got you into design and illustration in the first place? Oh, you know, um, I love telling this story. I got into it uh, kind of on impulse. <laughs> Like, cause when I was a younger, when I was younger, like, um, I don't know, like kindergarten through fifth grade or something like that. I used to draw all the time, like mm-hmm. little cartoons and stuff. Ninja Turtles. I was a huge Ninja Turtle fan and, um, learning how to draw the Ninja Turtles with like perspective arms, you know, where their oh, limbs aren't. Yeah. Too, yeah. Yeah. Like, so they're, I used to draw them where their arms didn't make sense. Like they were too short. So like okay. problem solving that when I was young. And um, yeah, you should see me try to draw a horse. Oh, it's like a symmetrical nightmare, right? You know, like, and then when you when you finally get it right, it teaches you so many things, right? And then, um, um, Dragon Ball Z. I gotta tell this story really quick. Like, I used to draw all of my classmates into Dragon Ball Z characters. Oh, okay. And um, this was like in fifth grade or something like that. There's about I don't know thirty people, twenty five people in the class, and um. There's this one character that's like kind of like the ugly one. And I had to make that character one of my friends because, you know what I mean? And then my friend, my friend was really unhappy about that. So that was my first glimpse into client work, you know? So it's like, because I had to problem solve, like, how do I make my friend happy 
but also <laughs> fulfill the roster of Dragon Ball Z. So it's a uh, <laughs> client work. I love it. That's yeah, so that good. was my. <laughs> anyway, but after that, like I haven't done anything um, in the arts at all. Like, um, you know, I think I was kind of raised, not really forced into it, but like, you know, my my parents come from a background of engineers and doctors and stuff like that. So I think um, that was just kind of like in the realm of my head. It's like, hey, maybe you should be a, a doctor or engineer because that makes you money and stuff. And mm. um, um, I know my grandparents really wanted me to be an engineer or a doctor. And uh, so I, that's what I went to school for. And then I was just terrible at everything. I ended up I ended up majoring in business and in, in, in working in banks and finance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. And then um, I think, you know, three years into in, into finance, um, like I just hated hated my job and wanted a career change. And then I just remembered back in my grade school days that I loved to draw. Um, I haven't drawn since really. So it's like it was kind of an impulse decision yeah. to, to go into design school. And then um, and it all just kind of clicked after my first two classes or so. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like so many people find their self when they get into like college and then they start, they get into the flow of things and they're like, right. I don't know, this is weird. I don't know if I like this. What, was it similar for that? To, well, was it similar for that to you once you got into the world of, of banking and that sort of thing? Yeah. And I think um, it's funny. Everybody that meets me says I'm a really big people person and I love talking to people and stuff like that. But in banking, it's uh, I feel like no matter what you talk to with say a customer on anything financial, it's always a bad conversation. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so like, well, that's, even if that's why you need a people pleaser for something like that, right? You need somebody right, to calm yeah. other people down. Like, I, I think I'm good at resolution because I'm, I'm so sort of uh, optimistic and smiley. Right. Yeah, no, I can see that. You smile. Yeah. You, have, you have a pretty nice smile right now. I, I, I can see that. Yeah, it's natural. <laughs> I got it from my mom. She like, she like, she would smile at every single person she ever saw. And uh-huh. I, it just like osmosis into me. And now <laughs> if I look at somebody and I don't smile, I feel awkward. Oh man. That's a good mother. That's, that's a good, and look, look, look what it's, look, I bet you that's done wonders for you. It, oh, oh, I, oh, yeah. I hope so. I mean, I think maybe it got me a couple <laughs> of jobs, you know, my first that's Starbucks awesome, jobs. Uh, hey, Starbucks. Oh, well, yeah, the thing about uh, even if people are making money, it's still not a good conversation because it's they want to make more, you know, mm-hmm. and it's uh, mm-hmm. um, so I, I the financial stuff just wasn't for me because I felt like I was uh, meeting people that had different values in me and, and all kinds of stuff. And it just wasn't healthy. And my forehead was growing bigger. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I was losing hair and stuff. So um yeah, so I just tried to remember what brought me joy, and then it was the uh, it was the arts, you know. I love that. And, so you look, you sort of looked back into your past and said, "What have I always loved to do, and how can I integrate that to my life now?" Yeah, and you know what? Can I just tell you really quick? And I know I'm kind of a chatterbox sometimes, so you're gonna have to no, like tell me reg- regulate me. So okay, tell me well, things. I want to be told um, stuff. Cause I I taught design until the latter part of last year. Like I was a design teacher, and um. What I kind of noticed was I think kind of my background kind of worked in my favor because I used to like or I used to draw all the time and then I haven't drawn for a long time. And then I went to design school and I felt like it was easier for me to, to take in uh, 
and to be more open-minded to my teachers and mm. and to apply apply some of the stuff I used to do when I was younger into the new stuff. Because I, I have met a lot of students and I have taught a lot of students have, that have drawn their entire lives and have gotten used to like a certain way of drawing. Um, it's really hard for them to dissect their you know perfect hand strokes into something like a bezier pen tool do you know what i mean like uh okay yeah i yeah. i, I kind of came to this the muscle memory's not there i think so i think yeah, yeah. and i i kind of came to this conclusion that uh if they're really good at hand drawing it's like they they more naturally went into photo like a photoshop raster illustrator or something like like procreate was a really good tool for them mm -hmm. but uh vector illustration where it's a lot of precision um making logos and that didn't really speak to a lot of those guys that were really, really good at hand drawing. That's just what I felt. Uh, mm -hmm. It came naturally to most of the students that I've met. Um, but for me, it's just because I've been out of it for so long, I felt like I was so much more open-minded to that stuff that came in. Yeah, yeah. That, well, okay. did, did you also see that sort of, because as a kid, you're very, you're very free-form and open-minded in anything that you do because you're a kid and you're creative and the world hasn't beaten you down yet, right? Yeah. School system hasn't <laughs> ripped you to shreds. Uh, have, did you go into design school and then feel like there was more restrictions, perhaps? Was there any of that, or were they pretty open-minded to everything? Um, let's, I think, I'm just trying to remember. I think it was more, uh, I saw the restrictions, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, I had a lot of teachers that have been graphic designers since, like, the 80s. You know, so yeah. uh, so them being graphic designers for so long, they would say like, hey, you have to do things a certain way, you yeah. know, and um, like uh, try making this, but you can only use black and white or, you know, something mm -hmm. something like that. Or um, you got to measure this in, in picos. What do you call those? Picas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never measured anything in a pica after like my second graphic design class. I've like never used picas ever again. I don't know if that's the same case with you, but uh... well, I well, no, I've never <laughs> used it at all. I've never used that at all. I've always seen it in the little <laughs> drop down menu of Photoshop. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think any of the natural world uses that. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think my, you know... Uh, I always my... assume that there's stuff that I should know that I don't know. That's generally my, the, the way that I work with, with Photoshop. Yeah. Or, or especially Illustrator. Those... I have no idea what's going on in Illustrator at all. Oh my gosh, did you get one of those e-gauge well, e ruler things? No. It's called e-gauge, I think. And that thing measures in picas. And... Um, I just remember that was my first class and I was like, this is what graphic designers do. They just whip out this e-gauge ruler every time and they just measure like uh... – <laughs> They just keep it in their frocket. They just whip it out. Yeah, it's like – it's that small and it like – you know, it's like flimsy and stuff and uh, – Is there – is there – was there a value to that for, for you? Is it like did you see why they would want you to use that? I think it's a very – now that I think about it, and then whoever is listening to this can like kind of correct me, I guess you know. Um, please shoot me an email, somebody, if if I'm if I get this wrong. I'm so sorry well, for everybody who's listening who's not a designer right now. <laughs> I'm just curious <laughs> at this point. Well, like, uh, um, um, I think what it what it was for is like if you, be, because we didn't have that that technology back in the day. Like, if you were to look at a a newspaper and you wanted to get the same measurements on a newspaper, you would whip out the e-gauge and get all the measurements and then like 
Okay. I don't. I don't know. I think it convert to digital in a sense. Or I guess. I I don't know. You know what? I don't know. Well, that's a that's a different (laughs) podcast for a different time, I suppose. I wanted to look at some of your work, and I wanted to break it down. Uh, because I've been doing this thing on my channel recently where I do these studies of different artists. I'm trying to do more of that. And I thought I might as well study an artist while he's sitting here with me and talk about what, uh, <laughs> talk about his work in detail. So Let's the first go. one I wanted to look at was the top one that I sent you. And it's, it's I'll do my best to describe it. It's a shot of an, it's for one, you have these vintage colors, beautiful contrast between the colors shot of, he's smiling, shot of uh, an, <laughs> an airplane in the center. Below that, you have a tree, so like a Japanese tree. Then you have Mount Fuji in the background, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Then you have in the foreground, you have a, a train and a cityscape and just these beautiful elements coming together. And it's sort of all contained in what looks like a snow globe. And then behind it, you have a blue background and then you have this nice grain on top of it oh awesome thing did i do oh, a good you, job you explained it great yes wonderful yes. i was really worried about that part i almost got you to describe <laughs> it because i was like i don't okay, i don't know how to okay but uh <laughs> i'm curious how did you go about visualizing this in your head from the beginning and how did it sort of carry through to what it is and also i want to touch on just as you're talking like make sure you touch on the three-dimensional quality of what you're up to absolutely man um where do i begin with this project i don't know if you've seen the other pieces to this series um but this is one of them um this the entire project was to create uh, a promotional video animated video for the san diego airport and it was supposed to highlight their um, direct flights, you know, okay. um, all of their direct destinations. Tokyo was one of them, which is funny because Mount Fuji isn't technically in Tokyo. So, um, but you know, when you when you think of Tokyo, you think of Mount Fuji. So, yeah. um, this piece was to represent Tokyo for um, international travel for the airport. Um, the buildings there, the structures there, was supposed to represent kind of like how colorful their their cities. Mm-hmm. scapes are and everything i don't think those buildings are actually in tokyo anywhere but uh <laughs> but it's just kind of like a representation and then you also have the pagoda to kind of show the traditional side of things because they have temples and all that you have the bullet train right there it's it's just supposed to be one piece that represents the entire city mm-hmm. um the cherry blossom tree obviously and then the plane on top was was the plane that directly flies to Tokyo. <laughs> the play was kind of an important element to put in there. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. so... So, so um, how did you... I, I guess what's interesting to me is how did you organize all of this in your brain and then kind of turn that into a digital thing that we experience? Like, how did... Because you have all of these elements on top of each other and you just explained the vision, which is sort of all of these elements coming together. Right. But how did you sort of establish... A hierarchy for all of these and make everything work together uh, well the, the color had a lot to do with that and that's what you brought up uh, before uh, especially when you when you create something with layers of depth you have you have two things that can that can um, hold contrast which is the shadows mm. and and the color so if you nail both of those you get a really kind of like a 3d look coming out you coming at you Sometimes you you could if I made the entire thing blue, it would still kind of look like that, you know. But uh, if you throw in the contrasty colors along with that, it just pops out 
even more when when your clients tell you, you know, like make it pop, you can literally make it pop. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm sure they saw this and they're like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> you actually made it pop. Well done. It pops right at you. Yeah. So that's kind of like a um, that was a choice of the colors and also the representation of the city too. The city is a very colorful uh, city. It's the land of the rising sun, you know. So a lot of oranges for uh, for sunrises and you know things like that. And um, so the process. How did I get into this type of paper pop up style? Mm. Um, you know, I might I might be jumping a little bit ahead, but that second one that you will, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But that second one there is actually what I was doing when I started the Instagram stuff. Um, okay. People would come to me for this skeuomorphic style, which is seen as a style that's uh, that's a little dated. You know, mm. um, you know, most graphic designers kind of move towards like the flat, more communicative right, type right. things. Well, and, and uh, I think Apple like notoriously stuck around it for a long time and still has stuck right. around it to some extent. And I think people had a lot of mixed feelings about that. Uh, so I, I find it interesting that you're holding on to it. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah it's uh, I think it kind of just worked in my, I just like things that uh, I like. I like both worlds. I guess that's why I started doing them both in this flat way and then and then also in this kind of like a 3D. Well, you found a harmony between the two, I think. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't look like, you know, 2011 garage band or something like that. <laughs> it's it's got I think you have a really solid handle on the way that colors play together and it, it has a minimalistic quality in the in the way that the colors play and how how you keep the colors to a small number of colors but you're still able to make it feel skeuomorphic yes oh, i'm so glad you explained it that way <laughs> so, um but the, <laughs> i think and a, a part of that too is uh even though it kind of some people tell me that it, it looks somewhat realistic but i actually never saw it that way i thought i was trying to exaggerate the realism a lot mm -hmm. so a lot of the highlights and the shadows don't actually look like that you know what I mean? if you were to you know if you were to sh cut this thing out of paper for example like and you were to shine light on it like the shadows won't actually behave that way <laughs> yeah, right. it's just it's kind of more of like an exaggeration of of what's real and what's not real and uh, and i think that exaggeration kind of is kind of the bridge between you know, how do you make a skeuomorphic style a little bit more modern is when you super exaggerate things. Right, right. So, Well, um, since we're talking about this next one, I'm just going to explain it really quick because I think oh, we okay. can go ahead. Well, actually, before, there is one more thing I just wanted to note about the details of the first one we spoke about. Uh, I noticed that with the shadows, the way that you created levels of depth is some of the shadows are sort of further away from the object than in other Correct. objects yes. so it's like you took all of these flat layers i mean all of these things you know to anybody who has ever opened up photoshop and tried to create anything that feels three-dimensional all of these <laughs> things or after effects for that matter all of these things are like they're flat planes and uh you use these shadows at different lengths away from the layers to, yes, to make a, one feel much closer than the one behind it which also has a shadow you totally broke that down perfectly um and that's kind of like that was kind of the idea too is with this paper stuff um the layers that are closest to you will obviously have a a, a is it a deeper shadow or a, sh a shallower shadow Sh the closer shallower to deeper <laughs> i would just say further away i don't further know. away <laughs> yeah well 
anyway, you'll have a longer shadow if 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 you know if the object is closer to you. If it's closer to the back, it's more like it's glued right. onto the paper. Well, it's almost like the so background's the foundation, and if something is farther away from the background, the shadow is yes. going to be farther from the object. And I think that's a key thing um, to kind of get that depth out and to make it really feel like it's coming at you. Mm-hmm. The other thing too is to establish a one-point light source. Like, and I don't know if that's one thing that nobody ever calls me out on. I I have the same light source in every single one of my yeah. pieces, which yeah, is yeah. which is a top left-hand corner. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I noticed that now. That's awesome. Yeah. So. Um, if you establish that one light source, it makes all those other exaggerated shadows make a lot of sense. Cool. Make a ton of sense. Cool. Yeah. Okay, second one. So we're looking at, this is one we were talking about just a little bit a second ago, but we're now we're going to go fully into it. Um, we uh, have a, uh, what looks like some sort of, well, it looks like a price tag in the shape on the background, <laughs> and it says NASA, right. and you have the sky, you have clouds moving up from smoke that's coming off of a space shuttle which is launching into the air up towards what looks like the sun, I suppose. And then you have, uh, on one side, you have a much flatter version, much more minimalistic flatter version. Uh, that's on the right side. And then on the left side, you have a more skeomorphic, more uh, three-dimensional, more detailed version with actual flames and smoke flying out the back of the shuttle. And uh, I picked this one. Why did I pick this one? For one, I like it, but it's like, why do I like it? I love the orange and the blue and how they play together. Uh, and I, I, I'm just, I th- oh, I think it represents how you go from sort of a flat quality to a three-dimensional quality. Is one before the other, or are they both just in the same project? You know, I've I've done a number of these flat and skeuomorphic side-by-side things, and. Um... I think I kind of switch back and forth, like whichever, whichever I want to start doing first. Like yeah. I, this one, this one I did the skeuomorphic shuttle first, mm-hmm. and then I I minimalize it down to a flat version. Gotcha. But there's gotcha. there's some others where I started on the flat one, and then I would I would go the skeuomorphic route after. Right. Oh, how interesting! Because I feel like you would naturally want to start on the flatter one, sort of like <laughs> blueprint it, right? And then you go, okay, how can I make this more intense and more complex? Right? I, yeah, you start adding I, all this shading and stuff. I don't really have a rhyme or reason why I start on one or the other. I think it's just, uh, I think what, what just makes me feel more pumped to do it, <laughs> I think is what, yeah. what, what I end up uh, going with first. And, um, you know, this shuttle one, that the, the one that you, you picked, is actually one of the more popular ones on my Instagram account, I think. And uh, um, the funny thing is I actually drew this shuttle a long time ago. Like, uh, it was one of my first Instagram posts and it's the same exact one. I just updated it a tad mm-hmm. and then did like, a, a, a flat version to go next to it and made, and made it kind of like a badge design around it. Um, so that's kind of how that started. It wasn't a project for NASA. A lot of people asked me if I did this for NASA, I'm like, no, not this particular one. Nope. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's, uh, it was a project. I love doing projects. Dude, NASA like this. should put this on the side of their rockets. <laughs> right that would be that would be super rad that would be rad or yeah, so. spacex you might be beginning with spacex man oh spacex was actually a client of mine i did the the one on there um wasn't was an actual spacex project heck yeah which is the uh, which is uh i think it, it, it's one of the more recent paper ones that i've i've done is um, is one of your designs floating around in space right now or not yet no um so the funny thing is that uh 
these space companies, like a lot of kids, a lot of kids uh, is is their demographic, which uh-huh. which I know, you know, like I, I I wouldn't, I mean, I kind of knew that, but you would never think that that's a huge part of this, their strategy. Um, so, and you know, the the paper stuff that I do kind of fits really well with what uh, what kids uh, promotions would look like, I guess, or yeah, kids yeah. posters and stuff. Yeah. So, um, I'm curious kinda, how you how you sort of think about your colors and what drew what draws you to the colors that we see in this one because it's this really nice like pastel orange against a nice pastel blue kind of thing <laughs> against a white and it's nice because you ha- you do have a lot of colors going on but it feels like there's three distinct colors like it's very cohesive and also I love the I love the vintage quality of all of your stuff. It feels sort oh, of 1980s, thanks, like, and I love that. And I think that's one of the huge things that draws me to you. I love, uh, uh, like, pixel art that depicts, like, yeah. what basically a 1980s de- thought of what the future would look like, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, um, yeah. And I, and I put you in the, the same category in some ways where you, you use these very vintage-feeling colors and it really makes it come alive, and it really punches you in the face a lot, and I love that. But anyway, yeah. what made, what drew you to that side of things? Um, I think it's just, uh, you know, if you think about the stuff that I used to draw when I was younger, it was it was early 90s, but the early 90s cartoons were very 80s-ish, yeah. you know? Um, so, like, Transformers and stuff like that. Uh, even Ninja Turtles was had an 80s vibe to it, you know? Um, you know, like... Um, Michelangelo would wear those button-down 80s shirts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Really high contrasty pinks and blues and everything. Um, for particularly the NASA one, it's just, you know, I think I I drew that skeuomorphic shuttle first, and then you know I just kind of thought of a world that like would fit best with that with that one piece. Yeah, and then yeah. um, once yeah. I landed on on that blue, the blue is really. Um, I do spend a lot of time on colors. I'll be, you know, yeah. like when I, I spend like a ton of it time. It shows, some, man. Yeah. And when I, <laughs> it's funny though, like a lot of clients don't, uh, or a lot of agencies I've worked with, uh, they don't see it as you're working. They're like, man, you're spending way too much time on this part, <laughs> you know? Uh, but the, the result, the result, that's, uh, the result comes out and yeah, that one ended up, that one ended up really cool with that, that color scheme. And it's, it's not one that I typically go to as well, like the oranges and the blues and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of funny because the Tokyo one is kind of like that in a way also. But, That's probably um, why I like it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. Um, I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm actually glad you picked these because uh, I, like, I, I had some of the most fun doing these projects also. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's an interesting quality to, one, your lighting, but also to your... Uh, the the use of grain. I feel like you use a good bit of grain in your designs, and I think a lot of designers don't. They, I think they just don't have an interest in that. But I love designers that use grain. Really, I mean, this first one that uh, we we just spoke about, like you have this like heavy f- filmic grain. Looks like something from <laughs> 1920 on top of the like it's so, it, and it's so rad looking. It really it really like melts everything together in a, a really beautiful way. Oh, thanks. I think, you know, when you add the grain to um, everything that has a gradient or a shadow, it kind of just makes a really cool, like, mm. dotted dotted effect, like a really very subtle dotted effect to those. It kind of softens it up, too, I feel like. Yeah. That's why yeah. I, maybe that's probably why I like it. And, again, it, it reminds me of 
childhood. You know, I think a lot of the stuff I do is just it just reminds me of things that that bring me joy, which is why I went into this field in the first place. So, mm-hmm. have you ever had uh, any issues with working with people and them saying, "Yeah, I don't know if I I like the grain so much." Like, have you had it, trouble with that? I mean, did they want something that felt a little less vintage? I, I feel like that would be something that people would would pick apart. Yeah, um, it really depends on, like, you know, honestly, most of my clients don't ask me to do, like, these really heavy, um, executed 3D-looking things. A lot of a lot of them ask me to do kind of that flat shuttle that you see right there. It's, mm-hmm. it's That's usually, a lot of the times, that's the end of the project. But lately, I've been getting contracted to do a lot of these paper pop-up ones. Mm-hmm. And I can talk about one of my one of my clients right now is like one of the bigger um, real estate companies in the United States. They want they like things really clean, you know, mm-hmm. like very very clean, very. I would say I hate using this word, but very corporate looking, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it's uh, so they like the process of that Tokyo one that you see there, um, but it's a little too heavy on the texturing, a little too heavy on the grain, like you were you were saying earlier, a little too heavy on the on the dramatic shadows. So right, right, right. Um, we had to simplify that process up and make a very clean piece that still kind of pops at you, which is a, which was a challenge and it turned out great. I can't show that to you right now, but you'll, you'll, you'll see it in about like a month, month or so. Okay. I like yeah. it. I'll um, keep my eyes peeled. Uh, but, yeah. So when you, uh, so when you are dealing with your version here, right? You're like, I love this. This is my baby. I work. I put my heart into this, and then you have, you have to mix that up into another version that works better for the client you're working for. Right. Uh, does how do you handle that internally? How do you how do you versus how do you want to as well? <laughs> well, I I made a segment about this a long time ago. I think it's. I think I've taken it down, but I always said like my mindset is to to think like an artist and execute like a designer. And then the way the way I kind of define those things is like a, an artist is kind of the personal touches that I like to do, um, and uh, you know something that I can kind of put my mark on it and be like, hey, I, I made this. But the design part is is more for the you know it's for the client it's it's a problem it's a pro- make a solution for the client and for the person that's at that needs the work to be done so um i and then i always thought especially when i taught design um to tell my students to distinguish between art and design as much as they can because uh that would help you produce for one thing and usually it's design that's the thing that's going to that's a little more lucrative because you're not just doing whatever you want, right? You're solving problems and you're helping people for the most part. Um, but if you throw the artistry behind it, it kind of, it makes it a little more personal. I try not to go too heavy when I'm dealing with clients. I don't try to go too heavy on the art artist mentality because, uh, I would get, end up getting a little too attached. And when I do get too attached and there's a revision of some kind, then it it breaks my heart a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh my gosh, I worked so hard on this thing. And then, um, I really want it to be seen in the public eye, but no, we got now we got to simplify and we got to take things out. And um, so I try to problem solve that as much as I can in the early stages with the clients. Because yes, yes, I've heard a lot about this yeah. from people who uh, from people who work with clients and they're trying to do it on the highest level. It's like you got to have meetings up front so yes. that you don't thrash yeah. at the end. 
Right. And especially if, if I were to do projects in any of these three um, that you've picked here, these are very high execution, time consuming projects. So if I get to the end with the client and then they have a revision when the thing is like completely rendered, it's close to impossible for me to, to go backwards. And it's basically I'm starting again from scratch. So yeah, yeah. we kind of have to solve it in, in a flat form first. And then, you know, the, the death comes out after, which is a very challenging part of this of this style and something that I've never really fully figured out yet because you can tell a client that right and then um, once they actually see the depth to it there might be something that they want to change on the depth side of things so that's that's a huge drawback with this style because of um, but usually when the depth comes out they're they're pretty happy with it because they're like wow it's popping out at mm. me and stuff and, right right <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah they're like monkeys <laughs> <just> like, ah. <laughs> but when it when it doesn't work that way it's like oh my gosh you know i spent so much time and yeah i gotta yeah. work backwards yeah well it's almost like working beginning to work with clients if you're a creator of any sort is an exercise of empathy you have to be able to put yourself in their head and understand what how you can solve their problem as opposed to how you can create something that is your thing and give it to them and expect them to like it. That, yes. I think those are two different yes. two different approaches that one can cause a lot of mayhem and one can help meet their needs. But there has right. to be a balance, of course. Yeah, and I, I do think uh, you need both of those elements in there because some, especially with uh, like an illustrator with me, someone that markets myself with a certain style, your clients come to you for this specific thing. So you kind of have to throw your own personal artistry and your own personal touch to it. Mm-hmm. Um, at it's the a good same place time, to be. You're, <laughs> right, yeah. And at the same time, you do have to uh, solve their needs too. You can't just make whatever you want, you know, like mm-hmm. – um, and you know, you know what's funny is that I actually like the projects when the clients are like, you know, do whatever, do whatever you want, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and have no restrictions. Like, yeah, it does put a little more pressure on me, but I tend to have a lot more fun with those, you know. So, um, do you like when they no, send you yeah. a like a style guide? Because as when I make videos for people and like I'm, I work uh, with a guy and he has a style guide for any elements that go in the video. That is so helpful for me because I don't have to think about it. Now, you as a designer, do you appreciate a style guide that, to help match their brand? Or are you trying to work from scratch in a sense? Um, wow, that's a really super good question that um, I don't have a great answer to. Because <laughs> I, I kind of like them both, you know. Um, Oh, here's okay. If if I have zero guidelines and they kind of just throw like, hey, just do your thing and do what what you think is is great. And um, a lot of musicians, for example, would ask me to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, I I feel like I'd have to get paid pretty well for something like that for for a project that like you know would would have me problem solve from the you know from 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 square scratch one. pretty much yeah, 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 yeah. square one. And secondly, it has to be a project that I would enjoy too. Like I'd have to, <laughs> you know, um, so I mean, like, I don't want to talk bad on any, any type of client, but like if I probably wouldn't get really hyped to do like a dentistry with, you know, with all the creative freedom in the world, if I was working with a dentistry, I would love them to give oh, me a I'd love to see I, some shiny 1980s teeth though. <laughs> Yeah, like like I said, I'm not trying to like talk down on it, but I think if I had a style guide, I would appreciate that a lot. Um, 
one of my um one of one of the best jobs I've had was for the San Diego airport and they had their own style guide and I I had repeated work and um a huge volume of work coming from mm. them. So having a style guide for a job situation like that is great is awesome. Yeah. For like for a project like that's maybe like a series or something or a campaign or a one-off type thing, I usually like those to be a little more like art on the art side and the more on the freedom side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if that's a great answer. Um, no, it's a good idea. It's, 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 this it's, is a very dynamic yeah. thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like a different, it's kind of like whatever feels natural, I guess, when the, when the project comes in. Right. You know, so, right. Uh, yeah. No, that's very interesting. Okay, I want to talk about this last one. Uh, okay. So this one, we're looking at a lovely, everything's just purple in this one. I love it. It's purple. I guess you would call it purple, right? It's just very purple to me. Purple? It's super purple. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, purple. Yeah. So uh, we have a couple of vintage, well, three different vintage uh, filmic-looking cameras, and they have these very shiny lenses on them. They have a lot of sheen to them, lots of uh, nice shiny bits, as cameras do. And what I'm interested in, one of the the one on the right says Robbie Flex, which I'm a little confused about. You have to tell me about that. But what I really oh. love about this uh, this depiction of cameras is it's you see a lot of cameras being depicted through design, and I think it's difficult to create a unique looking camera that really feels. Uh, interesting and you scroll and you stop scrolling and you go, Oh, that's new. Uh, and I think this is because you have a very, once again, you have a very vintage quality to all the tones. You have these purple shadows, which is literally something that would come out of shooting on film. As you can see, you know, from the film cameras in front of you, uh, you have this nice vignette around the side. You have your lovely top left corner light source coming in. My top left corner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the lens, uh, the lens light, the, whatever the reflections on the lens matches. So well done on that. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. I might've gotten a little lazy on this one. Cause all the, Three of them have the same shines, it looks like. I haven't... (laughs) (laughs) I just love that you called that lazy. Yeah. This is so detailed. (laughs) Well, um, I might have gotten real tired at that point. I was like, because the shines... You just copy-paste, copy-paste, copy-paste. Okay, let me explain the Robbie Flex thing um, first. Because, you know, the uh, original name is Roly, right? Roly Flex or Role. Um, The first post I, I intended for this on Instagram, this is like... I love doing this project because this is the one project that opens so many different avenues for me in skeuomorphic design, mm. um, especially like shining, making the highlights on something like the lens, right? Um, at first, I would I would highlight everything with soft shadows, mm. right? If I were to do that to the lens, the lens would look very dirty or yeah. very matte finish. So you have to use like a hard highlight. So stuff stuff like that was a really cool problem solving solution. Mm. So that like doing this camera project taught me so much. The reason why it says Robbie Flex was because the first post I did was actually a camera robot. So the the uh, the Robbie thirty five there was actually the head. Okay. Of this camera, and then he had like two little tripod arms coming out of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of the posts I have on Instagram. If you guys want to check that one out. And then after I did that, um, I did the Leica M3, which is the one on the top left-hand corner there. Mm-hmm. And um, I just decided to put all three cameras together. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> you know, it, uh, 
it just looked cool like that and uh, maybe not changing the Robbie part might have been another sign of me getting a little bit lazy because I was at the end of this project and I'm like I think I've kind of experimented enough <laughs> with it so I'm gonna just like you know, I think I'm it's just... intriguing it makes me ask questions <laughs> but yeah it's uh if you look at the original post it's it's uh um yeah the the Robbie flex is the body and then the other camera the Robbie 35 is the head and then it kind of reminds me of that one movie. I forgot what it's called. Shoot. Batteries not included. Batteries not included. Oh. That was my... Oh, my um, I feel like I've heard of that, but I don't know what it is. Is it good? You'll definitely recognize... You. I don't know if it's good to... You know, if you were to watch it now, <laughs> I don't know if, it, if it's as good as you remembered it when you were younger, but you'll definitely recognize uh, the imagery I see. when you see it. Um, or like the Navigator. Have you seen the Navigator? No, sadly. That's, you'll you'll probably recognize that too <laughs> but okay. uh um yeah so those old school like camera looking robots even like something like uh uh wally like wally mm -hmm. kind of has a, mm -hmm. a camera look to his head mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of an inspiration behind that uh but you chose a piece that was kind of an aftermath of that first one yeah and but like you know um well everything's an aftermath of everything yeah. right <laughs> But to kind of validate what you were thinking there, like uh, I think more people liked when I put those three cameras together rather than what I intended it as the robot first. Well, so. and it is funny how people see shiny things and you put like three shiny things together and you're <laughs> like, I made this in you know ten minutes or whatever. Not that I'm saying that that's what this looks like. I'm just yeah. saying <laughs> that you know I made this in ten minutes, but I did the trendy thing and everybody's everybody just absolutely loves it. You definitely see that dynamic when you start to share work. Yeah, you know what? And that's exactly why I stopped charging for, per hour and started charging per project. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times I would, uh, I, would get, I would make a logo that takes me 15 minutes to make, mm -hmm. but it might be the best thing I've ever made in, in the world. You know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. like uh, as long as I did the research properly and everything like that, like uh, usually like the execution time, I don't charge per execution time. Gotcha. I don't know if that makes sense for everybody, but I guess for the type of work that I do, it just it just happens to it's make more like sense. You should, it's almost like you charge for the impact of the creation and not so much how much time you put into it. Yeah, yeah, kind of more on a perceived value, I would mm -hmm. say, like, um, yeah, is what I would, would charge for. So when you made this one, what software were you using? Was it, did you build this in Photoshop or Illustrator or both? The, ca or? the camera one? Microsoft Paint? <laughs> yeah, so the, the, ca the camera you know one. You know what, now that I think about it, another reason why a lot of people, I guess, get drawn to my work is because I do every, I do those skeuomorphic stuff entirely in Illustrator. Okay, so interesting. So everybody is like, you must be nuts, you know, to make all those pieces in Illustrator. But yeah, all those pieces are 100% vector and 100% infinitely scalable. So, How many uh, layers? It's a ton. It's really those. Yeah, those skeuomorphic <laughs> ones are pretty. Oh, you know what? And with exception with the with the with the Robbie Flex, there's a little leather texture. I did not, I did not do that in Illustrator. The, oh, the little yeah. leather texture on them. But yeah, everything that. else that's in rich. There, you feel like you could rub yeah. your hand across it. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, everything else is 100% vector on on those. Um, same thing with the NASA piece. That's 100% in Illustrator. Yeah. The one the one on the Mount Fuji. That's kind of like a hybrid of Photoshop and uh, Illustrator. So I do the shapes in Illustrator, layer them, import that mm -hmm. to 
Photoshop, and then when you open it in Photoshop, it has all of your layers organized for you. Right, right. And then you and then you texture each piece from there. So super awesome. Have you ever done any motion stuff? Um, not. I have an animator that I work with. Nice. Uh, Austin. I'm gonna shout out to Austin. Good you work, know, Austin. Uh, <laughs> Austin for it. If you uh, check out my Instagram, um, I do tag him on a bunch of stuff. Basically, all the pieces that I have there that are moving, mm-hmm. Austin worked on those. And uh, there was one that we did together. Like this, this NASA shuttle thing is something that I, I've been doing over and over and over again. And I did a paper form of it. And um, Austin animated them. That, that was probably one of the more popular stuff that I've ever made in collaboration with Austin. And... Um, because I feel like that's a whole another level of bringing a design to life in this case. Yeah. It's like, and with the skeuomorphic nature of it too, it's like t- taking that shuttle and making it shoot off the the tag in the background. Like right. That, would, that could. Yeah, there's a lot of possibility there. Yeah, and um, you know, and with problem solving, this for animation is another huge thing, right? Because sure. uh, you know, for for my buddy Austin, it's like, gosh, all these angular shadows you have. Now I have to make those make sense in a motion yeah, standpoint yeah, yeah. you know it's almost like and, does he have uh, to remake them he probably has to remake them right i think yeah um he we kind of he kind of found a way to uh to kind of simplify the way i do it in illustrator mm. or fo- or photoshop so um whenever we plan to have something animated i kind of like have to ask him how did you do this again so we so you don't have to do it over like a second time so it's like a <laughs> There's a lot of problem solving when when, it, when you're working with the animator and having it make sense for their process. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, that's cool that you partnered with him. He seems like somebody you can like put up with. So it seems like you guys got a little partnership there that feels we got, quite we nice. We got some of this. Yeah, dude, yeah. I love Austin. Um, and he's a very patient guy. And I think you kind of those have are to good. Pay, you got yeah. That patience is a huge thing you need in this in this field for sure. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, but yeah. That, those are those three. Oh, you know what? I haven't. You know why I jumped over to the NASA one after while I was talking to the paper one. I wanted to tell you was that I started off with the skeuomorphic vector stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, it was one of my. I think it was an intern that I was working with, that I, and she was asking me, "Hey, how do I make paper?" Mm-hmm. She asked me like, "Let's how, how do we make a paper pop-up style?" And that's when I kind of combined the techniques of the skeuomorphic stuff that I did. Um, and then into like this kind of flat paper thing. That's how okay. I developed that pop-up paper. Gotcha. But that's, gotcha. that's what I forgot to mention. It. Yeah, um, there's definitely a lot of that in the Tokyo one. Yes. Feels oh. like a feels like a bunch of uh, pieces of like oh like a construction paper, colored construction paper yeah. that you get from Target <laughs> or something. Yeah. You chop it all up. That's what it looks like. Yeah, and then uh, you know I had somebody. Oh, Austin. Hello. My my buddy Austin. Austin at it again. Good work, Austin. He got like one of those, I think it's called a cricket or something, okay. where you, you it's like a machine that you throw a vector file in it and it'll it'll cut it precisely. Whoa! So for one of the pieces, he actually recreated it in real paper and it looked pretty close. It looked pretty close huh? to how it did on. Oh, that's that's got to be cool to see, right? Yeah, I was like, I was really super impressed with the uh, man. Austin just has this really awesome like problem solving mentality which is something that like frustrates me a lot as yeah. far as you know like, you know so that's it's like awesome. this t- typical artist mind right it's like you you know sometimes you just want to do what you want to do <laughs> right right I, I would love to see this in like a a physical installation or something like that 
That'd be that a fun would be awesome. Yeah, the how do I... Like, you know I, want, what's I want to see a 90-foot physical version of the Tokyo one. Oh, my. You know what's funny? Um, do you know that TV show, Making It? No. Make, <laughs> yeah. do you know, okay, do you know that show, Parks and Recreation? Yes, I know of it, but I haven't watched a whole lot of it. Okay, well, the two most popular actors in there is um, Amy Poehler okay. and uh, Nick Offerman. Anyway, they have a reality TV show together where they host a show for creatives. Um, on I think it's NBC or ABC ABC I think and um, what they do is like they have something like hey guys we have this wedding couple coming into the show and we need the contestants to make the best crafted thing for the wedding so they contacted me um, based off of the work that I have on Instagram to be on this show yeah and then I was like, oh, I was super excited, mainly because I was huge fans of the of you know Amy Poehler and and Nick Offerman, huge fans of them, and I I I never knew what it was like to be in a TV show like that. And then I actually watched a show, and I was like, I don't do any of this stuff. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'm gonna go in there and they're gonna make a fool of me, you know. And they have they do do that on TV, right? Yeah, right. It's like. So everything I do is 100% on the computer and you have people here like, you know, um, doing some wood carvings and and uh, wood crafting and all, all kinds of other kinds of crafting. And mm. yeah, it, I remember telling telling the casting. Were you supposed like, to go on there with like a laptop? I don't I don't really know what they envisioned with me. They, they told all they told me was like, hey, we want someone that can roll with the punches. <laughs> that was that was a thing. So I was like, okay, so oh I'm gonna gosh. go in there. I have no idea how to do any of this crafty stuff. Rolling and then the I'm punches. Gonna, I'm gonna come in with a laptop, and then they're gonna just you know tear me to shreds from there. That's kind of how I, kind of how I envisioned it. But uh, so anyway, I didn't I didn't go through with that. But I was it kind of sucks because I was really excited to to wow. do something. What if I when I like messaged you to have a conversation with me? I just I was just like, hey, I need somebody who can just roll with the punches. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's go, man. I'm ready. I got my ready. water. <laughs> How's your water, right. by the way? Is it hydrating you? It's doing a pretty good job. I put ice in it. I don't know why. My okay. ice tastes tastes old. We all make mistakes know. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I wanted to talk about uh, when you were just starting into design you okay. were starting to realize that you wanted to take this seriously. What was the struggle for you? What was something that was an insecurity for you? I think it's pretty much the way art is perceived by the general public. You know, uh, mm. that's something that that I had to get over first because most people think, ah, you can't make money doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not a real career. It's a hobby, and you still get that some of that stuff today. When yeah. um, you know, when you're trying to, when you're when you have a friend that reaches out to you from 15 years ago and sees that you have a a semi-popular Instagram account and is saying, "Hey, I really like your work on Instagram. Can you make a logo for my new business? Yeah. I got 50 bucks. I have 50 bucks for you. You know what I mean?" And um, it's like, and you know, it's like you know, it's your friend from like 15 years ago that you haven't mm -hmm. seen, and uh, so you know the perception from your friend is that okay, this guy loves to do this stuff for fun. He does it on Instagram. He likes to draw things. Right. He's gonna do something for my business, and I'll give him fifty dollars for his time. Right. So right. um, 
I think the perception of this field is something that I had a lot of difficulty with in the beginning. And um, not to get all racial with this too, but with Asian families, it's a, it's a really hard thing to, uh, to communicate. Well, immigrant you know? families in general, I think it can be a struggle. Yes, yes. Um, and my parents were, I was lucky to have very open-minded parents, but I had a lot of relatives. I had a lot of, uh, I don't know, friends as cousins <laughs> I didn't like you know that would say like oh that's what that's what you're you know you're you're not gonna be an engineer anymore yeah they just give you that oh. weird side eye they're just like uh, he's yeah. not gonna make it anywhere you're at the family dinner and they're just like yeah that's he's got the long hair and the hat like <laughs> he's, I well when I was growing up it was a lot of like when are you gonna cut your hair and get a real job you know because my hair used to be long it used to be as long as yours oh man and when, uh, when did you cut it oh uh, let's see uh, two uh, year two years ago? No, you, probably a year and a half ago now, oh. something like that, maybe. Um, and I had it for a long time. I had it, bef- I had it twice. Like I had it and then I cut it and then I had it again because I realized it was a horrible mistake to cut it. And then I finally just, I think I used up all of the joy that I could have from having long hair, and then oh, I decided man. I was gonna chop it off and cut it short and. I really am happy with it now, but I loved it back then as well. You know, I bet you'll bring it back one of these days. Maybe so. <laughs> Man, I'm going to be like 72, you know? I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to grow it back out. It's going to be red Man. still, though. It's definitely going to still be red. Hey, you know, that's cool. Hey, how do you like it over there in Salt Lake City? I've been trying to find oh, ways yeah. to get there. Yeah, so uh, I remember you telling me in your, your email that you want to move here potentially. Yeah, uh, it's well, it's my favorite. Pl- I haven't lived too many places, but it's my favorite place I've ever lived. It's really amazing. You have beautiful mountains all the way around you because you sit in the valley, right? So you have these right. beautiful, huge mountains. They're covered in snow right now. You what I love about Salt Lake City is if you want to get into the outdoors or if you if you just want to go on a three hour trip away from work, for example, right? Because you yeah. know, you're a designer, you like to sit at your desk and be in a cave. <laughs> But right, right. perhaps uh, you want to go out and see the desert for a little bit. Like you can drive three hours in any direction and find crazy yeah. adventure. But a lot of people don't know this. Salt Lake City is actually, for one, it's a it's a really fast growing city. Uh, there's a lot going on here. We have like an Adobe headquarters uh, just south of here. Right. That's right. Lots, yeah. yeah. So there's lots of stuff coming up. I mean, I think it's like. It's it's a very it's a still small but growing city. I call it a medium sized city that's easy to park in. And oh, I freaking love that. Yeah, that no, sounds so traffic perfect. is is not bad at all, in my opinion. Um, like I I grew up on the East Coast, so I visited Atlanta a couple of times. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you sit in that traffic, and you like you think you're gonna die for one, but yeah. it's never a pleasurable experience. At the, at the best um but anyway the tra- everybody and everybody in their individual towns always say we have the worst traffic here but that's because they've never left their town i think oh you mean utah yeah well right? no just oh. in, in in general like oh. wherever you go they're like yeah these drivers are stupid but oh, i think that's yeah. because they live there and they they just experience the yeah. normal stupid drivers but i've experienced wonderful traffic in salt lake city overall right and then yeah. even then, if you if you get tired of the city traffic, you can drive, you just drive like east or west, you're going to find these empty roads with nobody on them in the middle of the desert, and you can get away from it all. It's like, 
it's really nice. Downtown's amazing. Safe. It's a good place. Dang. Man, okay, I'm really thinking about. Um, I was talking to my buddy, which which we talked about, um, Raji, and okay. um, and yeah, his yeah. buddy Justin. Um, yeah, there. He's like, you got to make it over here. You know, he's also from San Diego, where I where I'm at right now, and he made his way there, and he is he couldn't be happier. Yeah, what it, sounds, what it sounds like so. Yeah, it's a uh-huh. it's just a nice mix of things, you know. Like yeah, I call to me it feels like a playground because I can go out and and find any number of things to do. Like I have a canyon like ten minutes from my apartment that I can go up in, and there's yeah. ski resorts and stuff. Beautiful you know, uh, Aspen trees. I mean, it's, it's a cool place. That's amazing. That's awesome. We got a lot of desert here. Lots of design inspiration. You got a lot (laughs) of desert in San Diego. Yeah. It's literally, it's pretty dry over here. I mean, it's obviously it's a nice city with the beaches and everything, but, um, you know, if you were born somewhere and you've been here your whole life, the grass is always greener somewhere else. Sure, 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 sure. Um, I think a lot of people, try to when they get to a place where they feel not so fulfilled they immediately look to another location and i think that some people have that inclination some people don't so much like i'm sort of an incremental person i'm like okay what can i fix incrementally in my life my wife is like we need to move to europe for a summer i'm like calm down Too much. What part, of, what part of Europe does she want to move to? Just curious. Well, she she doesn't specifically want to move to Europe right now. She just gets that thought occasionally. She's like, uh-huh. let's move there for a summer, right? And if we did move there, she'd probably want to go to the UK. Good central point to where we can maybe move around Europe like nice, and travel yeah. if we want. But yeah, probably the, her dad's from the UK. So. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Nice, so, man. It just a, it would be a change of pace, but we're also like we we always fiddle with like New York City, and we almost moved to San Francisco. <laughs> All oh of that man, was... I had a I just had a job offer in San Francisco. Um, I turned it down two days ago. Oh okay. Just because uh, I mean I'd, I'd like to move somewhere else, but San Francisco, I don't know. I hear there are a lot of downsides. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, one thing. It's a super. I mean, San Diego's expensive, so that's what it was. Yeah, know, it's it's really it's, expensive, right? That's one huge thing. And then uh, I don't know. I just didn't. I've been there a couple times. I just it's a great place to visit. Not no man. I'm not talking down on any of you San Franciscans. <laughs> you know, uh, I just like it didn't. Maybe seem I to did, you? Maybe I just wasn't ready for it. I just let's just put it that way. I was mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Maybe one so. day you'll move to San Francisco, or maybe one day you'll realize you want to live in the Alaskan tundra. Hey, you know? hey, I I am gonna see. I'm gonna explore Salt Lake. The Salt Lake options a bit more though. Dude, so. I, and any whenever you come around, let me know. We can, I'll be happy to to show you around. Dude, that'd if be, you think I, if you oh. like me. Uh, if you think uh, I'm an interesting hmm, person. Do I? Let's see. <laughs> Trust me. No, no, I tried like... to hide all the bodies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you seem like a very pleasant man. Good. A very pleasant dude. That at I'd the like very least, with. is what I do with people I'd, I'm just meeting. At the very least, we can meet at a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. so, so I'm curious. Uh, uh, what is a weakness that you feel like you have right now in the creative process? Um, I have a lot of weaknesses, dude. Um, <laughs> I think a, a main one is the time. Mm. Time, uh, 
I wouldn't call it time management. I would call it more so um, energy management. Um, when I don't feel like doing something, I really don't want to do it. Like mm-hmm. I might have all the time in the world, but like if I'm at the beginning of making a skeuomorphic camera and I can't see the end of that tunnel, sometimes I'm like, oh man, maybe just let me just pop on like the office on Netflix. <laughs> kinda, kinda, right. So I waste, I waste a lot of time like that. I have we, these weird methods of recharging and I'm looking for different ways so that maybe, maybe it, it's as simple as getting more sleep, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, do I don't want to do anything creative if I don't sleep well, like anything that's, that's creative and actually takes a level of baby steps that have to be yeah. like, if it's actually a project that's daunting, which is, any, yeah. you know, considerable creative project yeah you know i had this conversation with someone else i do think that like a creative if you were to put them in the same office as like an accountant or something their workflows are completely different you know Mm -hmm. um so like i think a creative needs there needs to be like different like you know like i okay correct me if i'm wrong but i hear and i don't know if i'm just gravitating towards this when i hear it but when someone is taken out of their creative flow, it takes them at a minimum of two hours to get back into it. I've heard that. Uh, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm, you know, and when I tell that to someone, a lot of people think, "Oh, you're just kind of catering towards your people, you know, your creative people," which well, is which is true because it's hard yeah. because they're like, "Yeah, you don't work in a coal mine. Get over it," you know. Yeah. That's the tough and part. That's, that's that's another thing when they're like, <laughs> like oh, you have it good over there, you know what I mean? Mm. But uh, um, I do think that like it, I hate it when I'm out of that creative flow state, you know. Yeah. And when when I get out of it, it's just it's um, that's a big trouble of mine is just kind of staying on track with that a lot of the times, especially with a pro with projects like these are very very execution heavy. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what do you, uh, do you, have you fiddled with taking breaks consistently? Yeah, and um, if I, and then that's another thing I found is if I take too long of a break. Ah, you get, you get <laughs> you out know? of it, yeah. Yeah, so like, it's, man, what do I do? So I'm starting to do like running, like I'm starting to run mm-hmm. uh, and get some exercise and that's been helping me a lot lately. It's mm-hmm. kind of like since my body feels better, I have. I guess I naturally have more energy and things like that. So, um, so it's never a time issue. I have the time, definitely. It's more so like my energy levels are so weird, right, and a, right. a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, when I left the banking stuff and I I went to design school. I went to design school when I turned thirty. I'm thirty five now. So all the stuff I did in five years, and um, I think I tried to move so fast a lot of times that like. I kind of just got used to that flow of pulling these all-nighters and things like that, and then, <laughs> and then it's finally starting to kind of like take a toll. The on habits the of the young creator. Yeah, and uh, so I think I'm just having a bunch of residual of effects from um, from doing like uh, from trying to move a little too fast. Yeah, and um, and that's kind of why I want to have like you know I got this camera here. Why I want a, an outlet like like kind of what you have here is just to to kind of uh, further explore like what's kind of the the best flow for a for a creative and does this flow need to be babied or do they need to be pushed or mm-hmm. I don't know it's like I think it's going to be different for everybody but well you were mentioning the difference between a creator and like an accountant I think that what you can as a creator what you can learn from a lot of the jobs in society what you can learn from 
from like a part-time job, if you spend any time doing that, is that you can, oftentimes you can be so tremendously more productive than you're being right now, especially as a solo creator who is accountable only to yourself and to get your work done for your people, right? Uh, Whenever you work in a job where you have to like physically be on your feet and you have to move around and you have things to do before you can go home before things close up and you have to take care of your team and all of this stuff. Starbucks. All the Starbucks, Starbucks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, I learned so much from Starbucks. And one of the things I took from it that still sticks with me is just like that hustle. It's like, you got to go do stuff, right? Like, like there's no time. If you can, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean, you know, (laughs) it's like, yeah. And the, that is something that's so healthy for a creator because I think we we are so sort of free-flowing and follow the wind right. that we need that structure to actually help us be happier people. I, I totally agree, you know, especially dealing with a lot of young students, you know, a lot of young students, they want to kind of jump to the finish line and stuff and... Uh, you know, like have the mm-hmm. have the have the amazing creative uh, lifestyle without kind of experiencing um, what it is like to have a shitty job. You know, like yeah. the shitty jobs are really the ones that are that are gonna um, give you that adversity and are, are really gonna kind of form you in a way. So but it gives uh, you something you don't want to go back to as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, agency work. A lot of people hate agency work because of how fast paced it is and. Mm-hmm. I always say work at an agency so you can feel it, you know, so you can see it for yourself. Maybe some people like it. Some yeah. people like when they're not doing stuff, it's like they feel like I'm super bored and I hate this. Like yeah. I hate having all this creative thoughts and creative freedom. You know, I'd rather <laughs> I'd, I'd rather be producing and producing. And I hate producing. all this poetry running through my mind. <laughs> hey, let me show you something real fast before I, I, I forget about it. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is this is my empathy towards uh, Starbucks baristas my star my Starbucks drink is inside of my phone oh case. beautiful well done this is this is the tag so well done um, I just show them this it's a uh, basically it's a salted caramel cold foam cold brew oh, but you, oh. you substitute the cold brew with just regular iced coffee oh fancy because cold, okay. cold brew is a little too strong for me so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Cold, cold brew is pretty earthy it's got a lot going on but yeah right that's no, that's so good because pe- people don't really think hard enough about how they order and they make yeah. baristas' lives living hell. Like, <laughs> so that's really good. There, there was one. Yeah. There was one lady that when I used to work there, she had a mug and then she had a like uh, like a knitted sweater for the mug and the the into the knitted sweater was knitted her order. Whoa! Like that's a step further well, I than what I all, just showed. Yeah, I think we all want to be on that level. <laughs> you know, that is awesome. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna start wearing apparel with my orders. Maybe when I next time I go to that Mexican restaurant, you know, I just tell them like my burrito order, my custom <laughs> burrito order on my screen printed T-shirt. You know, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's a design you got to get to work on, for sure. Okay, Heck so yeah. I want to ask you one more thing, and I'll let you get out of here, man. Uh, I'm, I'm curious as well, uh, what do you hope somebody takes away from your work when they experience it? Man, I, that's a good question. I I saw your mind going. I can say, uh, I, I'd like the same kind of feeling I got when I watched like Ninja Turtles or, um, Mm. uh, Transformers. I want that, that joy of kind of being an adult slash kid. I want, 
I okay, want that. Okay. I want that. Yeah. I want no, that feeling. Yeah, I want that feeling to resonate with the um, with the with people. Anyone that sees this stuff, they'd be like, "Wow, explosions!" Like, you yeah. know. But like, but I can also hang this on my wall or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know, dude. like, uh, yeah. Dude, we all we all need that, and I I think that yeah, I think that's something that we all strive for as adults as we start to realize. Oh, I want a little bit more more of that childhood back, and it's so hard to retain it, you know. And I love that you're trying to communicate that with your work. That's that, that's a oh, really man. good answer. So a lot of people yes. are just like, I just want people to feel, you know, happy, and I just wanted to communicate, you know. <laughs> and it's like that's such a good answer. I love oh, that. Thanks, man. Oh, I appreciate. I appreciate you saying that. Um, do you mind before before this is over? Do you mind if I Instagram you really fast? Please, by oh, all means. Awesome. Awesome. The podcast. This is the James Red podcast. Whoa, yes. whoa, whoa. James Red podcast or James Red on YouTube. Either one. All right. Sweet. Okay. Okay. All right. We're ready. We're happening. Yeah, I'm ready. People can see my mess. People can see my messy room. Oh. What's up, guys? This is the James Red podcast. This is the end to my long but uh, but but fulfilling day. I had a pleasure to meet James today. Thanks for the awesome talk, man. Good to meet I, you too. I love you. Thank and you. good to talk with you. Meet and talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry if I put you on the spot with uh, with some of that stuff. No, there. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> dude. I mean, I'm trying to be put on the spot all the time. I'm like a content creator. That's what I've kind of put myself into. <laughs> I love that. I want to. I want to do it more, dude. I love watching people like Gary Vaynerchuk, and their yeah, entire right. life is content creation. Yeah, it's like um, he's basically an open book. You know, every day yeah. is documented, and that's actually that's actually pretty cool. I was talking. You said you listened to the. To my uh, episode with Scotty on the yeah. Perspective podcast, we talked. We had a portion about that where we were talking about being that open book, you know, and mm. how important that is today in this kind of like social media world. So, um, yeah, man, it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome stuff. Hey, um, before oh, did you want to? Is like, there another social media that we're gonna make something for? No, I think. Uh, <laughs> Let me go on my LinkedIn account. I gotta make sure that my. Um, Thank you. Oh, do you want me to look for you? I want to make sure that my video is saved here. Saved. Uh, okay. Let's see. I'm looking. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Um, Should it be up there? Should I be able to see it? Do I need to check it? I haven't. I haven't posted it yet. Oh, it I see. It was just on my. Um, I could do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this is great. Oh my gosh, I yeah. Do me a favor and don't edit this whole portion out, you know? No, just, I'm just not. Have... It's, nothing's edited, dude. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you. You are, and then James Red, right, on yeah, Instagram? Yeah, J- James Red or James the Red, the username, either one. James the Red. Hold on, I gotta, I'm going to Instagram you now. All right, that's you right there, right? That's James. me, yeah, first one. Bam. That beautiful face. Sweet. Right, let's see here. I'm gonna. Hopefully, they can hear you. I'm gonna put it up to the thing. <laughs> All right. I'm Let just me know. wrapping it, up you... a conversation with Michael Fugoso. Fugster. Yeah. What's up, man? 
It has been a lovely conversation. I hope you should meet you guys soon. James Red, guys. That's the me. man. <laughs> Let's see if it heard it. I can hear it. Okay, it's a little quiet, but you can hear it. Beautiful. Now I'm going to tag you. I'm sorry, everyone, who's <laughs> getting out of we're hand just, at this point. I, we're all just tagging each other on stuff, and I kind of screwed up on my first one here, so I'm working on... Uh, it's okay. This is the creative process. This is, we're, they're experiencing it live action right now. This is what the actual creative process is. Wait, this is not, this is not live, is it? Or is it... Uh, no, no. No, it's not live. Okay, okay. No. I, yeah, no, it's not live. Okay, sweet, man. All right, well, dude, thanks for hanging out. This has been lovely. Oh, man, thank you, dude. Thanks for reaching out. I always love doing these things. Even if you want to reach out on a non-podcast way, that's cool, too. Oh. I'd love to talk to you. And uh, you know what? Like, when I head over there, maybe I can bring this camera, and then we can shoot something. Dude, like, uh, I'm, I'm down for all the possibilities. You seem like a good guy. I like your hat. We'll do it. Yes, it's my hat. Oh, I knew this hat would do all kinds of stuff for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's your branding. Oh, oh dang. Um, but yeah, but thanks again. This was cool. Like I said, reach out anytime. I'd, I'd be happy to, especially when you come to San Diego. You know, uh, a lot of stuff we could do over here also. Okay, I like I, it. Yeah. I like it. We'll do San Diego uh, things. Let's do San Diego things. Yes. <laughs> that yes. sounds exciting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That is it. Michael is a rad guy. Once again, I would encourage you to check out his work. If you made it this far in the conversation, I appreciate you so tremendously. I would love to hear your thoughts about this conversation. I hope you have a lovely, productive, creative, and not uh, deadly day. Yeah, like, don't, don't die. <laughs>